want you to imagine for just a moment that you have a child, a child who has special needs. And of course, you are able to send them to the local public school. You ask what they'll be able to do to meet the needs of your kid. And so they think about it and they take some time and they talk to the lawyers and they write the letter. The letter's been approved and they put it in the mail and you get the mail, get the letter. And the letter basically says, we hear you, we understand what your child needs, and we promise to under-deliver and not do what your kid requires. That may sound crazy, the story I just painted for you, but it's actually happening far too often in schools, at least around the United States, I would guess also around the world. So what do you do? Well, today, my guest, Tanya Sheckley, who calls herself a rebel educator, she decided to be the solution. So she started her own school, Up Academy. And so that's where today's podcast conversation begins uh, with Tanya's story with her daughter and how her daughter inspired her to start Up Academy. The fact that she also calls herself a rebel educator, since you're a ruckus maker, I know you're going to love how the conversation unfolds. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these Messages from our show sponsors. Establish your legacy with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty as you develop the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community. Apply now for our June 22 cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. It's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Well, hello there, Ruckus Makers. Today, I'm, I'm joined by somebody, check this out, right? I like Ruckus Maker, but Tanya Sheckley, she calls herself a rebel educator. We'll talk about more uh, regarding that in just a bit. But Tanya is the founder and president of UP Academy, a progressive elementary lab school in San Mateo, California. UP Academy is reinventing education by customizing learning for each student, integrating project-based learning throughout its curriculum, and supporting students with disabilities to attend alongside able-bodied students in mixed-aged classrooms. Inspired by the will, drive, and desire of her daughter, Eliza, who was born in 2009 with cerebral palsy, 
Up Academy is proving that it's possible to celebrate differences, change what's broken in the American education system, and provide all children with a rigorous, well-rounded education. Tanya also hosts the Rebel Educator podcast, which I've been a guest on. You got to check it out. It's a great show. She speaks across the country on the future of education and leads professional development programs for school administrators and educators. Learn more about Tanya and what she's doing at rebeleducator.com. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to talk with <laughs> all of your ruckus makers. Yeah, I think uh, they're cut potentially from the same cloth, so they'll be resonating with what you have to bring for sure. I'd love to start the show with Eliza's story, who inspired you from what I understand, right? To inspired you to pivot from your background in business to starting a school. Would you tell us that story? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I, I didn't have any education background before starting a school. So that's, that's a rebel move right there. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I was, I was selling beer. I sold beer for 10 years. I finished my MBA in entrepreneurship, knowing that I wanted to do something different, but not sure what that something was. Um, and Eliza was born almost a month early and she didn't have a suck, swallow and gag. The doctors in the hospital at that point in time told us that she would never be normal, but they couldn't, you know, tell us what had happened or what to expect. Uh, and so, you know, she was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. She missed her milestones. Well, she did roll over at three months. She rolled over, but missed other, you know, growth and development milestones. Uh, and so as she grew, we really looked into all of the different ways that we could help. Um, and we worked with an organization to get her off of a feeding tube that was based in Austria. And we worked with an organization to increase oxygen to the brain, to promote faster brain development and different movement patterns to help her body and brain learn where the parts of her body were so she could move them easier. Um, a group that was based out of Philadelphia. And so we did all these things and worked with organizations around the world trying to give her the best possible outcome for her future. Uh, and then we got to the school district and we had found conductive education and she was sitting independently in a cross-legged position, which she had never done before. Um, and so we asked the school district to continue some of these things and asked if we could help train her aide to be able to support some of these things in the classroom. And we really wanted to see her continue that trajectory of growth while also being alongside her peers and learning her academics. There was just so much that wasn't going to be available to her because of her mobility challenges that we felt it was really important she get a full academic education as well. And the school district wrote back with a very nice, well-written letter telling us exactly what IDEA provides and that she's able to come into the school building, but they'll provide no specific level of education once she get there, gets there and would not work with us with the aid, with any training, with helping us pick out someone or work with them. So that was at best disheartening and at worst made me really, really angry. Uh, and it's still, I still find it very frustrating. And it always makes me wonder, like, if every child of a public school, if every parent of a public school child were given information that said, yeah, yeah, this is the public school, your child can come here, but we're not going to guarantee any level of education inside the building. So you're welcome to come, but you know, you'll she'll get whatever she gets while she happens to be here. Like that's an extraordinarily low standard for our schools. 
And I think that most parents would be really upset and outraged if that's what they were told when their child signed up for school. And so I, I didn't see my daughter as being any different because of her disabilities. I felt that she was, you know, should still get a higher level of education like everyone else. Um, so that led us to start asking questions and talking to other parents and looking you know, all over the country and all over the world for a school like the one we had in mind. Uh, and it turned out that well, first, other parents were really interested in a school where their child with physical disabilities could get a full education and therapeutics. They needed to be independent, as well as being able to bring their siblings so that they were all learning in one space. And parents had one drop off, one pickup, and all the kids were getting an education together to build their social emotional skills, their communication skills, their executive functioning skills, and their academic skills all in one place. Um, so parents were super excited and interested in that. And the other thing, you know, that happened is we realized there wasn't anything like it in the world. And so we started to move forward towards opening the school. In that process, uh, our school got our 501c3 uh, status in 2015. And then my daughter unexpectedly passed away in March of 2016. And so it it left us well, personally with a huge hole in our hearts, but from the school standpoint, wondering, do we really do this? Do we move forward? Do we step back? What happens now? And the reality was we had just learned too much about education and what was lacking in education and what students really needed to thrive and be successful. We felt we could help, you know, definitely students in our own school, but likely hundreds, if not thousands of students around the world by creating a method of education that was different, that was inclusive, that was engaging and fun for students to really want to come to school, want to learn and learn to work alongside each other. Because when we start that process, when we're young, people who are different than us become less scary. I'm not sure what age people who are different than us become scary. <laughs> Um, but that happens for a lot of kids and, and it's a learned response. And so if we are all learning together from a young age, kids just see kids and they integrate and they work together and they play together and they figure it out. And it's a really beautiful and amazing thing. Um, and so our, we moved forward and our school opened its doors in 2018. So we are just uh, in the fall of our fourth year. Well, I'm glad you you stepped into that and started the school. I can't imagine receiving a letter from a, from a school from a district that basically says we're going to underdeliver for your child. You know, we're not going to meet their needs. We're not going to do anything special so that they can have an awesome experience. Like you said, disheartening, the anger. Uh, I can't even imagine. And so it put you on this path, and it's amazing. You know, you stuck with it. I, I heard you say that you just learned too much about education. So it seemed maybe, is it true at, at that point, you just knew like you're all in and you wanted to provide the solution? Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. There wasn't anything, there wasn't another path that I could see myself traveling down from that point. I, I was all in. Yeah, we had just, like there were so many things that we saw that didn't make sense from a child-centered point of view. Uh, that our schools were doing and providing and offering and saying that was so much coming from a place of policy and procedure and not from a place of support and helping small humans grow. Uh, and we just, you know, really wanted 
to see how we could help small humans grow. <laughs> uh, and yeah. that, I mean, that being said, all of the people, and, and I do have to, you know, create a disclaimer, all of the people that were involved in the process and the people that I've met through the school district are wonderful people. And they are all there for the right reasons and wanting to do the right things. And all of them were very helpful and supportive in our time that we were in public school. I can't say enough wonderful things about the people, but they're hamstrung by the policies and the procedures and the process. And that's a greater societal issue and a greater governmental issue with our school in general, because we do have a lot of people who want to do the right things. And quite honestly, in some cases, just aren't allowed. Yeah, they feel handcuffed. The system is just... uh... It has too much weight and gravity to it, right? It's like how to how do you escape that orbit? So, listen, you 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 painted Tanya a pretty bleak picture of, of how uh, sometimes or often schools uh, feel kids that that need the most support, uh, and then you've illustrated the idea of of how you're doing things differently at Up Academy. So, from a high level, I get this idea of adding more student agency and inclusion at the foundation of your school, but. Can you bring us, you know, to a moment or or, or show, tell a story that shows us what that looks like, actually? What, like, inclusion looks like in practice or what a day in the life of the school? What do you want to yeah. hear? <laughs> for, for me, just this idea of, like, how, how do you transfer potentially, like, student agency, right, uh, to, to the small humans that you're helping develop? And that kind of thing, or a more integrated model, right? An inclusive model uh, where kids aren't afraid of folks that are maybe different and uh, that kind of thing. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious, yeah, what that looks like. Sure. So I'll start with the agency question, because that's one that we grapple with quite frequently is how can we consistently give our students more agency and more responsibility over what they're doing? Right. And part of it's building, building those executive functioning skills, right? So, you know, our students set goals and they're allowed to set whatever goal that they want. We set them each semester for some of them, like for my daughter, when she was in kindergarten, her goal was to be a better colorer. She wanted to work on staying inside the lines and, and doing a good job at her coloring, which is a great goal for a kindergartner. Like that's, it's design, it's creativity, it's fine motor, it's eye-hand coordination. There's so many things that go into coloring. Like we can't discount those sorts of things. Um, and for some of our other kids, you know, it's to make more friends or to be more kind or to get better at creative writing and things like that. So they're allowed to set whatever goal they want. And then they set a few different ideas on what will help them to get there and also how they'll know when they've reached their goal. And so they do that each semester and that's kind of their own personal goal. Then we, we do a lot of project-based learning. So each trimester, our school focuses on a theme and then our educators build a project for their grade levels within that theme that touches on some of the standards and some of the content and some of the knowledge that they need to learn, um, but also creates a lot of room for student voice and choice. So for example, last year we did a change makers project with the overarching project of how can I use my voice to be a change maker in my world? And so all of our students did a field trip and we looked at murals in San Francisco and looked at how art was used to depict conflict and you know movements throughout history and change makers both locally and internationally through the murals. And we learned about a number of different 
change makers and movements. We had speakers come and talk about Black Lives Matter and disability rights and gender rights and refugees and what it means to be a refugee and, and how that happens. And then all of our students, our older class students got to choose, you know, a movement or a person that they wanted to learn more about. And they made a stop motion video about it. And so there's there's this space for a base of knowledge for students to understand the concept and the background of what we're teaching. But then also the space of what did you find that resonated with you? What was really interesting? What do you want to learn more about? And for that, you know, students learned, you know, they chose uh, Jackie Robinson and Kamala Harris and Abraham Lincoln, you know, a, a wide variety of different people throughout history that started a movement. But they're still going through the same process. They're creating a timeline. They're creating their clay figurines. They're figuring out their backdrops. They're doing, they're making their stop motion videos, but they have this choice and this opportunity to do it on whatever they want to do within the realm of this theme. So that's one example of how to give agency. And and every time we build a project, there's always space for student interest and student expression and a place for them to explore what they have found interesting and engaging about the concept that we're discussing. So the other piece of that is how do we make it inclusive? Uh, And that, you know, is a few different things. First, we now, at its simpler form, and this is going to sound silly, but we just include everyone. <laughs> everyone is expected to participate. It's one of our school agreements. Everyone is expected to work mm-hmm. together. Everyone is expected to solve problems together. Everyone participates in morning meetings and in reflection times and in closing circles. Everyone's expected to ask and answer questions and be curious. You know, curiosity is another one of our core values. And so just setting that expectation that everyone is the same and everyone has these expectations goes a long way to creating an equitable space because nobody's being held out. Nobody's being pulled out. Nobody's focused on for being different. Of course, we're all going to have different questions. And sometimes the way that we present the things that we've learned are different. Um, We have students who use eye gaze devices. And so if they're writing a research paper, they're not going to be handwriting a paper. It's going to come out of their device. And if they need to speak or share that information, they're not standing up in front giving a speech. They're writing their speech in their device, which then speaks for them. So creating those ways of understanding what is it that we want the student to learn, which goes back to that concept of of the project, right? What are we focused on? And then how can each student express that learning and not holding it to a specific, well, it needs to be a handwritten four paragraph using proper capitalization and proper punctuation, you know, one page double spaced (laughs) article about what they've learned, right? But creating Mm -hmm. space for everyone to be able to express their knowledge in the ways that it is best and most comfortable for them staying true to, you know, the core of the concept and the core of the project and the core of what is it that you wanted them to learn? Brilliant. Thank you for sharing the context there around agency and inclusion, Tanya. We're going to pause here just for a moment for a message from our sponsors. And when we get back, I'd love to ask you, how you're leveraging your your past experience in uh, marketing and business um, 
to apply that to school leadership. Learn the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership, a joint collaboration between the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Harvard Business School. Connect and collaborate with fellow school leaders as you address your problems of practice in our online professional development program. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. And we're back with Tanya Sheckley, founder and president of Up Academy, also the host of the Rebel Educator podcast, which is a super cool show. You got to check it out. Uh, Tanya, you have, a, you have a past in marketing and in business and uh, sales. And what, what from that experience has helped you in the school leadership realm? Um, everything. let me ask maybe uh, go ahead yeah well I'm curious so because obviously most school leaders probably don't have that experience you know what I mean so maybe connecting with other educators and that kind of deal or just something you've observed is there anything from your background that would be very interesting right for a ruckus maker listening to today and be like oh I never thought of school leadership in that way Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the things that I've definitely noticed coming from different industries and moving into education is that education really, really, really likes to silo things Hmm. and disconnect them from other things. And I think we do this in, you know, leadership and, you know, from superintendent to principal to educator, we do this in classrooms from this is our ELA time, this is our math time, this is our science time, even if it's one educator teaching all of those things. We do that when we create matrices and rubrics for how and what we're teaching. Like everything gets really siloed down versus looking at the big picture and you know, having a degree in business, having a background in business and marketing, so much of that is about how do you look at the big picture of what we're doing and create that messaging so that you can share it with others, right? Marketing is all about messaging. How do you tell other people what you're doing effectively? Well, really, that's what we want elementary kids to do too. We want them to communicate effectively. <laughs> like, 
like, so that the base isn't that different, but coming in to running a nonprofit, but having the business background, like I really looked at running the school the same way I would look at running a business, even though it's a nonprofit entity, like it still needs to turn a profit. It still needs to be in the black. We need to not be begging for money every year, even though we can and grants are useful and helpful, but in order to be a viable entity, you know, it needs to be self-sustaining and be able to create the way any business can. That being said, I really don't believe that school should be a business. Like we shouldn't try to make money off of educating kids, which is why we're, you know, one of the reasons why we're structured as a nonprofit, because the goal was always to create an entity and a method of education that could support and help students all over the globe. Um, And I didn't want it dependent on me to do that. I wanted it to be its own freestanding entity that a board of directors could take and, you know, and run and manage. One of them, definitely, when you look at similarities and differences that in business, they often say, you know, the death of a business is doing things the way it's always been done. And yet our school systems continue to do things the way they've always been done. And so being able to step in, not from education, come in with more of a business focus and aspect and create a new and different way of doing it has been a great experience. And I think would be a really useful way and is a really useful way for other schools to look at how do we redesign or reimagine or you know, reconfigure the ways that we're teaching and the things that we're doing within our schools. Absolutely. And I, obviously I, I resonate that as chief ruckus maker in, in the mastermind in my work is, I hope, changing the landscape of how school leaders experience professional development. So when you're talking about new and different type of opportunities and not doing it the same way it's been done for ages, uh, I think that's obviously one of the big values that, that we offer school leaders. I'm really resonating with this idea of uh, how schools like experts at siloing stuff and keeping it separate. So again, you have this this background that's unique to you, abnormal probably for many listeners of the show here. And so if you're going to tell a ruckus maker listening in this moment, like one way to address the silos that exist in his or her campus, like what... When, and when you think of leverage too, why, what might be one of those most powerful things a school leader could do to break down some of those silos? Bring them all together. <laughs> you know, take a look at how we're all teaching different things and why we're teaching them in different places and in different ways. And then look at the ways they interconnect and the ways that we could weave them together and work together to create a unified learning experience instead of a siloed learning experience. And I think that starts through a small core group of dedicated educators that are interested in shifting that paradigm of education and interested in creating a new environment, you know, whether it's with, you know, a small environment within a campus as a small experiment or trying to do it full blown right away. But bringing all the holders together, the educators, the principal, if there's a business manager or an innovation manager, possibly the superintendent, probably a few students to get all of those people in the room together and listen to the things that are working or aren't working or are working in one class, but aren't working in another. And how can we build this cohesive entity so that 
learning makes more sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing you say, you know, just uh, it's, it's almost common sense, but not common practice. Uh, creating the space, providing the resources, not necessarily having the answers, but asking the right questions and say, how do we make this a more integrated uh, experience? So that's awesome. Thank you, Tanya. I think it's definitely coming from a place of curiosity Mm -hmm. and just asking a lot of questions, like you said. Um, And then one of the things that I like to say and and that I share with all of my staff when they start, I'm like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm head of school and I'm acting head of school, but really my job here is to provide resources for you to do your job well and to remove obstacles out of your way so that you can do your job well. And so, you know, how do we come in with that reverence for our educators and be like, okay, so these are the things that are working. This is what you want to do. This is how we need to change. How can I make that happen for you? What resources can I provide? What obstacles can I remove? Because that's when, that's when everybody's really empowered to make change and make a difference. Absolutely. Plus one to the curiosity and question asking. And I'll tell you just from, from experience, coaching and by doing just uh, strategy calls, you know, with leaders, uh, I find it's, it's actually kind of funny, but if you ask a really good, deep, juicy question, provide a space, you know, for people to explore that question, uh, you know, people will, will, will set up a call. Should I join the mastermind or not? And want to hear about the program. I'll ask them a great question about their context. And they'll go, they'll talk, Tanya, for like 20 minutes, you know? And at the end of that talk, where I don't interrupt, I just listen. I might, I might, uh, I might reflect back. There was Siri wanting to join the podcast, so I apologize for that. But um, I'll reflect back maybe some things that I hear, but typically, you know, I don't, I don't interrupt and interject anything like that. But what's wild is like at the end of 20 minutes or whatever, uh, the person will say, your program sounds awesome. How do I sign up, right? And I'm thinking, well, I didn't really... I just asked the question. I listened to you. I didn't necessarily tell you about the program. And I'm just sharing that anecdote because uh, powerful questions are just so amazing. So, and a lot of times school leaders, you know, they just think they need all the answers. All right. Uh, plug your show, plug the Rebel Educator podcast real quick. Who's it for? Who's an ideal listener? What's it for? What, what can they expect to get from it? I'm going to make one quick connection and then I will do that. But when you're talking about deep, juicy questions for leaders, that's what we do every day with our students when we do project-based learning. It's what's that deep, juicy driving question that suddenly ignites them. And if you've got a school leader that can talk for 20 minutes easily on that, you've got students then that can easily dig into a project and get to that deeper learning. So quick connection. Um, But Rebel Educator uh, is primarily for educators, school leaders, parents, anyone who's really interested in education and wants to dig deeper into these conversations like you and I are having right now. Yeah, they're the rebels in education, the ones who want to resist tradition and look for a new way. We're really uh, fighting that revolution from the ground up and shifting you know, shifting the educational paradigm to be one that is student-centered and really focused on we create best people and the best learners that we can for our future. Brilliant. Great show, like I said, you know, so want Ruckus Makers to to for sure check it out. Was there something you wanted to add to that? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, where you could find us at rebeleducator.com. There's also a link on my personal website, which is tanyasheckley.com. 
And then there's um, our school website, which is upacademysf.com. Brilliant. And we'll, we'll link those up for everybody in the show notes too. Tanya, if you could put a message on all school marquees for just a day, what would your message read? This was a really hard question. <laughs> I'm, Thank I, you. I, I feel like it's small, like it needs to be like a tweet, but impactful. And <laughs> But I think the core, so much of the core of what we do is, you know, wanting to be able to create a future where everybody is able to work together, where universal design and universal construction and a universal way of including everyone is normal. So we don't have to talk about accessibility anymore because just everything is there. So my marquee would read, when we learn together, we work together. Mm, Love it. And Tanya, you're building your dream school. I think uh, in many ways you've lived this out, right? Uh, You had the constraints of resources, but in this thought experiment, you do not have uh, any limited resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school? What would be your top three priorities? Yeah, So my top three priorities would be, you know, definitely creating a value system that our entire, you know, a value system and mission that our entire staff and community and families can get behind and understand and dig into creating an environment that is conducive to feeling comfortable, feeling at home, feeling like you belong, and also providing a rich experience for learning. Yeah. What would our third priority be? Those are really our two biggest priorities, culture and social, emotional, and maybe innovation. I guess our three values as a school are strength, empathy, and innovation. So creating that space where constant curiosity is encouraged New research is, you know, looked at and tried out and utilized, and we're constantly evolving and creating the educational process alongside our students. Would probably be priority three, and I, I, you know, in many ways, like you said, I, I got the chance to build my dream school. I'm sitting in it. If I had unlimited resources, it would be on, you know, at least 10 acres and we'd have giant fields to run on and huge accessible outdoor playgrounds, probably created by Magical Bridge, where students of all abilities could find something fun that they love to do and play on. We do have a fairly sizable indoor playscape that we use for um, students to do cross-body activities, to do multi-sensory activities, to swing on and hang on and do monkey bars and things. And we use that for therapeutics as well indoor. But I think the dream school would have a full hub in the center for physical and mental well-being with like a sensory space and a quiet space and an active space and having all of those accessible for students to use when and as needed within just, like I said, an environment that's conducive to feeling like you belong, feeling like you're comfortable and like you're at home, but also feeling like there's rich and useful spaces for learning. It's a beautiful school that you've painted for us and in many ways have created. So thank you for that. Well, well, Tanya, thanks for being my guest here at Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. We've covered a lot of ground. So if there was just one thing for a ruckus maker to remember from our conversation, what would that be? Go make a ruckus. 
<laughs> try something new and different and innovative, be creative, you know, startle your students with something that they haven't had an opportunity to do before or a different side of you that, that they haven't gotten a chance to see or know. Wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. Go be a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.